Welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie DeSanto. And we have a special guest. Brian, introduce our special guest. Our very special guest is English teacher extraordinaire, Megan Campbell. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Welcome, Megan. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for, for coming. Me on. I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of the podcast. <gasps> Thank you. I, well, I, I don't think anybody's ever said that. No. I, yeah. I, I am, I am yes. taken aback. Yeah. <laughs> We have a you few. guys are a nice, like, safe haven in a Trump crazy world. Right oh, now. thanks. That means so much. That yeah. really that, does. That is the nicest thing <laughs> anyone's ever said to Katie, I yeah. think, actually, yeah. probably. It's the nicest compliment she's ever received. I'm going to put that received. on my resume. <laughs> oh, good, good. Uh, so we are today discussing the Denzel Washington Oscar nominated film, Fences. Which it just so happens, which I didn't even know when we asked Megan to join us, that she teaches oh my this gosh. play. Brian. So this is like an actual, actual expert. I Thank assume God, that's I why you have, invited the woman on. Because <laughs> I have questions. Jim does have I questions. will do my best. So this is, oh, I'm we, so this excited. is like. This is a legitimate podcast for one episode. We Yay. actually have a guest yeah. who is an expert on, on the something subject. that we're doing. Amazing. And this is also you. our first Denzel Washington film. Which is crazy. Which yeah. is crazy. Yes. We actually, we, really? Yeah. Well, the only Tom Hanks film we've done is Mazes and Monsters. No, we did League of Their Own. Oh, League of Their Own. We did League of Their Own. That's true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't I'm undercut a League of Their Own. I honestly... Who's under, I'm not undercutting, who's undercutting it. Undercutting I, for, I know, but what I just, just don't think I don't, of it as a listen, Tom Hanks movie. Right, there. Um, so I think a lot of people don't put that performance up. And honestly, oh, it's when I really think about it, I think it might be my favorite I Tom Hanks him performance. in that movie. I don't... I Jimmy Dugan. It's a crucial it role. Pivots from comedy to drama. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, okay, but before we get going, let's talk about what we're drinking this mm -hmm. episode. What does everybody have? I'm having a cocktail in my naughty... It says the naughty one glass. I'm uh, having a cocktail in my the nice one glass. This is like an old oh, fashioned. I like it. It's like a double though. What am I drinking? <laughs> You're drinking the Belvedere. Oh, a Belvedere. It's extra frosty and delicious tonight. It, yeah. it, there's like actual frost on the outside of the glass. That's Could how much have... he shook, it's a thing, shook it. It's a thing he glass, shook yeah. it. We have a, our Christmas episode in a couple of weeks. Could we have a, a eggnog infused Belvedere? Oh, God. No. <laughs> Eggnog. Remember when we had people bob for apples and eggnog? I do remember. I did not have people do that. And you then was sitting under the lights that. for like two hours and it was curdling. There's yeah, there's no there's no milk going into the Belvedere. I don't think no. there was any milk in that in that eggnog because it was from like the Yeah, Turkey couldn't you get a lactose uh, uh Free egg night? All right. Uh, Megan, what do you have? Nothing fancy. Just some uh, run-of-the-mill Kendall Jackson Pinot Grigio hey. in my remote hey hybrid in-person glass. Okay. For the glass teacher. is fabulous, number one. Number two, Kendall Jackson is no like Trader Joe's wine. Like They, they make a solid white wine. So They do. They do. Um, I just am actually more of a red wine person, but this is all I had left. So sometimes yeah, you got to go with what sad. you got. That yeah, you got to go with what you sad. have in yep. the fridge. So tomorrow's Friday. You better make a stop at the wine and spirit shop, eh? Oh, you don't have those in No, you can just, you go, just go to the, the grocery store. store or like the 7-Eleven? Oh, you could. You can go, go. Where do you go? Yeah, to any 
locale. You can yeah. go anywhere. Grocery store, it's on the street. We can so. go to the grocery store now. We can. <gasps> Pat Morgan's here. Oh my yes. goodness. Okay, before he leaves, because he's only going to stay here for a minute, we have to raise our glass to Happy Pat Morgan. Birthday. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Pat Morgan. No one cares. Oh, I care. <laughs> I, I care a, about you. I saw him a, a picture this morning of a decrepit old man. Mm. First thing, he just is getting more him. and more uh, salt and less pepper every time. Every time I see him. Oh wow! Yes. So that you went right there. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you went. You I went feel right like he's there. been going great he's, since he's college. Gonna, he's it's gonna, been a twenty-year gradual thing. Okay, <laughs> just keep digging. Yeah, <laughs> just, he has shit there all great. the time. I've noticed. You look like yeah. a forty-year-old man since you were twenty-one. He, he, he went, has. He went from Happy being twelve birthday. to forty. Sure. Yes, why? This is true. Kind of, yeah. kind of like Tom Hanks in Big. All right, Brian, what are you drinking tonight? For uh, I am birthday? drinking Viridian. IPA, which mm-hmm. is from Banded Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So, Very out of Maine. Very so nice. another delicious Maine beer. Uh, all right. It is time for fact check. Uh, so last week we talked Mad Max Fury Road. Katie, for those who were listening to the pod, not watching, was drinking out of a blood bag mm-hmm. uh, and was curious about blood types. Mm-hmm. So there are, in fact, eight um very common blood types that exist we wanted to fact check that there's a plus uh a positive excuse me a negative b positive b negative o positive o negative a b positive and a b negative um type o negative um is actually the universal donor so if you are o negative you can be a universal donor and if you are a b negative you are positive. what they call um, AB positive. No, no. My research from the Red Cross said AB okay. negative. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're right. It uh, said uh, they <laughs> are <fine>. universal recipients. <laughs> um, so what's really important in this fact check, besides all of the science that you just shared with us, which is wonderful science, is that Keenan was right. Yeah. It, this might be the first time in a conversation Keenan brought but, the science, but he was a universal donor. He what? No, I know, but he but movie. he said that there are also uni- well because I said yeah, I had yeah, the A, yeah, yeah. and he said is that uh, the okay. universal recipient? Yeah, and I said I don't know. I know there's a universal donor. I don't know if there's a universal recipient. Yeah. Keenan was right. Good, Good job, Keenan. Go, Keenan. Great job. Um, we'll cut that. We'll edit that out. Edit that Actually, right can out. You just change it to yeah. change it to Tim. Say yeah. Tim said it, and then people will believe it's yep. true. If we say Keenan, it's fake news. Um, just an update for people: there are tons of new movies not in theaters because people are just not going to theaters or they mm-hmm. are closed again. Um, but keep your eyes out. All of uh, these new movies, many of which are potential Oscar nominated films, if that actually happens this year, are coming out on Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO Max, all of these amazing streaming sites. What's the, what's the movie that you're very excited about coming out in the next few weeks? Wonder Woman? Oh, I thought it was Dune. I thought Dune was coming Dune's out. Dune's not coming no, out, though, ever. Oh, well, no. It will be Dune. Yeah, well, today it was announced. It will actually come out in 21, and it will premiere on HBO Max. Hmm. Yeah. Warner Brothers is releasing their yes. whole slew of movies. We talked about. Um, well, okay. there, there are some exciting ones. One that is not exciting and do not watch is Hillbilly Elegy, mm. which I heard that's hot trash. was 
awful. Yeah, that's a shame. It had good people in it. It made the five bloods look like uh, Citizen Kane. The uh, the book is difficult. I can see how the, the book would be a well, difficult that, it, story to bring to the screen. Yeah, the book also has been like trashed more recently for being just like not at all appropriate. Yeah, it's hard. That's hard. It's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard sell. That's yeah. the story is a hard sell. So I, uh, yeah. you will not be seeing that. No Oscars for that one. Majors, huh? no. no, no, no com majors either. And no. sometimes we watch the worst film of the year. So. Well, well some people like Glenn Close, too. I thought it was okay, but the rest of I it is like pretty bad. Yeah. Um, sad news. Yuki's Keys Byrne, who played a Morton Joe in last week's movie, passed away yesterday. Yeah. So Cheers to a Morton Joe. It, we he, thought he was immortal. Yeah. He, he also played the antagonist in the first Mad Max. Yes, movie. he huh. did. You know, named Toe Cutter. Oh. Yes, oh. which I love. I what? love rewatch that recently. No. I names. have actually the original. No. Yeah, it's it's much different. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we I will be appearing and maybe Jim, if we Ooh. can work it into his schedule yes. uh, Very busy. on the No Limits, a Mitch Rap podcast. We have been invited to be on another podcast. You're oh. going to be on the Mitch Rap experience. I have not read any of the books. OK. I still am not sure who the character, who the author, who the other author is. Yes. I'm going to do this. Okay, great. Yeah. I, we might be just having me go on this program. <laughs> they will not appreciate my some, sense of humor. There are some very serious, as you can imagine, people yeah. who would listen to a podcast tied to yeah. one yeah. fictional character. I'm not Jim sure rolling in there not knowing or read a book because they'll probably ask you like what's your favorite mitch rap novel mm, yeah. the one with the guns and the, you're gonna be like uh the what latest the, fuck's the ones that the 13 year old boys love because it's got guns lots of guns <laughs> uh, okay but i i am excited to be i'm kidding Yay, Brian. Brian. i will not be mean to Brian. your friends spread the calm major's message That's right. all over the world we should yeah, probably yeah. we should probably blessing. solidify that message and amongst we'll ourselves just, we'll, and we'll figure out what it messages. is. Yes. We'll uh, okay. Time for the rundown. Here okay. we go. <laughs> the rundown. Troy is a 53-year-old man with a checkered past, trying to be a good husband and father. He gives his all to his family, or so he thinks. His two grown sons would tell it differently. His wife probably would too. Now he has a baby on the way with another woman, and it may just tear at the seams of this already shaky family situation. That's it. It's a pretty simple story when you think about it. Yeah, this there's is, not. This, uh, is, this is one of the more simple stories yeah, that, we've, the, that we've covered. Yes. Yeah, the, it resides in the details. It resides in the Ooh, details. That is, and that's the episode. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think we're we're just going to turn it over to Megan, and we will fade to black. And we will go. Um, take take it away. <laughs> well, all right. So, first of all, I have to say this. I am 
not aware of a film that we've done that has received the number of Oscar nominations that this has that I had no clue was even released. Didn't didn't know it was in the theater when it came out. Mm -hmm. Didn't remember much of it. Loved Denzel Washington. Not going to say anything bad about the performances because the performances I thought were great. But spoiler, Megan and I saw each other today and kind of hit on this idea. Is this, and we could discuss this throughout the episode, something best left to the stage? My, my initial reaction to this was that if you're going to like make a film out of this, use the, use the cinematic art form mm -hmm. to elevate it in some way. Like I was shocked. Mm -hmm. Even we watched it in pieces. We we watched it over the course of three nights because of craziness. But we watched basically the first half, the first night, and I was shocked that they they start off this movie diving right into these two characters, nonstop talking for basically a half hour, from the truck to the backyard, and it just goes on. They do not use like the opportunity of making a movie to, to set this at all. And so like, I don't understand why they don't show you just, and I don't even think you need to add dialogue. You don't need to add anything to the script other than like a flyover of like what the F was going on in Pittsburgh at that time. Like where do these people live? What is, what's the circumstance and just show us, you don't even need, you don't need people talking like like I the only thing I can think of is honestly if Spike Lee directed this mm. it would have been there would have been like a long pan shot down the street watching just people live I don't know I yeah I All think right. I think Denzel the director was the weak link in this in this well film. I think we favorite... should let Megan talk oh yeah, yeah. yes yeah. Um, and you are the only person who knows the scripted version of this play. Um, mm. So I would love to hear your thoughts on the comparison between, you know, reading it, if you've seen it performed on stage versus, you know, the, the film experience. Um, and just know that, like, they can be very intimidating, but anything that you say, I'm going to back you up. What? So, I, no, I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm right. I'm in it. Yeah, Katie you know, I, I, I ran into Brian in the hall earlier today and we were just sort of exchanging our like preliminary thoughts. And it's uh, the movie script very, very closely follows almost verbatim the play. There are very few alterations that you would find. Um, so as a teacher, the film is very helpful um, as a visual medium for the kids. But I, I do agree that something does not translate. The conventions for the theater are, are it doesn't always fly when you try to keep something that is designed for a theater experience, which is in many ways a little bit more intimate. And you need all you need more explicit um dialogue and more explicit like soliloquies that type of thing to transfer that to the filmic medium which is different so other than a few shots like they have a shot where they cut to with denzel washington waiting or is troy waiting outside of the the mayor or whoever the the yes. official oh, office right. 
Um, that actually felt like there. a movie when they, they right. did that scene. You're so right. That that felt like a scene out of like L.A. Confidential or something. Yeah. It looked right. Feel it needed more of of that. It needed, I think, some some more. Um, not that you need to manipulate and add dialogue, but it needed to work. I think more along with the conventions of film. Um, you know, in terms of framing shots and stuff um, and in, incorporating, like, I, I think you made a good point, Jim, about opening up and just establishing the context with different types of shots. But as I said, I mean, it's a, it is, it, it's a very accurate depiction of the play. Very accurate. So, nope, my turn. So <laughs> I think um, you can't, so Jim and I were arguing last night over like, you know, whether you consider this a movie or whether you consider this a film version of a play. <laughs> um, because to me, the context of it being a play is vital, right? Like you have to understand that about what you're watching. And then when I dug into the history of this performance, and saw that, you know, the original cast was James Earl Jones yeah. and Courtney Vance. And then the revival cast was Denzel and Viola. I thought, yeah. like, th this is a way to cement that in history, right? Because I can't imagine what it was to see them in these roles on stage night after night, right? Like two of the mm -hmm. most incredible actors of all time in, in this I think it's a beautiful play that feels like a once in a lifetime experience that only a small percentage of the population is going to be able to be a part of. And so to put that in film form, that feels really special. And I hear what you're saying about making those shifts to it being a cinematic experience. But I think that there's a reason to not do that too, because uh, I think that, staying true to the the playwright's you know depiction right so like what the playwright envisions is what's able to be shown on a stage then show it on a goddamn stage hamilton mm. did it this year agree that see that's my point and comedy and that's how you cement the, that's, a, that's how you cement the the, the experience the, the theater performance this is a movie and you know, Megan basically said exactly what I was feeling is like, while the theater is a very intimate experience because you know the stakes for the actor, right? There's no second takes. There's nothing. It is less intimate in the way in, in how close you can be to them. Yes. Right. And so the stage does force dialogue that you don't need to force when you're when the camera's, you know, a foot away from a person's face. Right. You can on the stage there's so much of speaking of their own emotions right saying what they feel and instead of like just showing an actor's face portraying that mm. like you wouldn't feel i i, I don't not, disagree right and so like i again like this we we had the same problem with fury road like if you're going to take the steps towards being something deeper then you take all the steps and, and do it. If you are going to make a movie, make a movie. Like I just, I, and, and maybe they tried, like, honestly, maybe it was just not 
Right, because they they did, you know, so Megan referenced the scene at the commissioner's office or whatever. We do have scenes where you travel around the house, you see what other characters are doing, Mm -hmm. or you're you're out on the street, you're following the trash truck, which clearly, yes, I mean, those things wouldn't be, they wouldn't be seen on the stage. other Other characters are just standing around watching other characters talk to each other. That, no, it it, it, it has like, a very stage feel like that. We're like, yes. so I'm I'm just going to go wash dishes for 20 minutes while other people talk. Or like, I'm going to, you know, eat my ham sandwich. Like, I, to me, I, I really enjoyed this. Like, I, there was so much to talk about. But this specific point, I don't know that it, for me, held up as like a really great film. Okay. No, I think that's fair. And I. And I'll be honest, I don't think because this was my first experience with Fences, I haven't I haven't read it. I haven't seen it on stage. I was watching this like a fan of literature, like mm-hmm. taking in the play for the first time. And so but it's I funny, think it was hard for me to separate that from you're, you know, looking at it as a movie. But our our initial immediate reactions were like almost polar opposite. Because you said, well, that's like, it's so, it's so human. It's so like, and I was like, no, these people are like abstract versions of like, they're, they're, and I guess that is also human to some extent. And maybe I'm, but they are like very, very facade characters. Like, so what, what Jim's talking about that I'd love your perspective on Megan is um, we were discussing just Troy, the, the yeah. character of Dude. Troy, and um, my exact words were that that construct is very human. The complexity of him, the the experience that the audience has to him of like, you know, there were moments where Jim was like, well, like what, like what is he talking about? Like what he's saying is like absolutely false. And yes, right. Like, like at some point you're supposed to pick up on like he's full of shit, right? Like, like, right. Like nothing that he you can't take anything that he says yeah. like at face value. Um, and so I think the interaction between the audience and Troy, you know, shifts throughout the film. And to me, that does feel very human in terms of how we interact with each other. So unfortunately, I missed a little bit of that because my internet connection, oh, I think, no. froze up. No. But um, I think I, I, I got the gist. And if I missed something, please fill me in. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Troy is a tough, like, when I teach this, the kids have a really tough time with his character mm-hmm. because he is very dimensional. There are parts where you really root for him and you feel for him. But yet at other points, he's also so dislikable and so... Um, just awful to his, to his wife and to his kids. Um, I don't know if this is the part that I missed, but I think that artificial quality that you are talking about might be again, due to the fact of, you know, in a theater, you don't get the benefit of having a camera like close up to like zero in on your face. So the expressions and the, the way that the dialogue would be written would be, a little bit more exaggerated or or over the top in terms of, because it has to provide the exposition and the context for that character. Um, So that might be a little bit of where that feeling of, I don't know, that I guess contrived feeling might be coming from, but I do, but 
it's done, I think, in the spirit of it being designed for a theater performance and in capturing the fact that this is a very layered and dimensional and conflicted character. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 like, yeah, I totally agree with that. So our favorite director, Tess Malone, <laughs> who, Hi, should Tess. Have direct, who should have directed this instead, said it, <laughs> it should have never been a movie, only a play. To me, the biggest crime with this movie is there is nothing cinematic about it yeah there and that bothers me well and i think there's some understanding but and this is my point it reminded me a little bit of a discussion we have with just mercy even though this isn't a biopic but you have denzel washington who played this role obviously in the revival and you had the playwright write the screenplay and I'm wondering if they would, the materials, obviously it's Pulitzer winning, it's Tony award winning. It's, it's so special on the stage. And there were obviously, it was such an attachment to them. Were they not able to take the steps that somebody who was as cl- not as close to that material might have been able to say, listen, this works on a stage. Like Jim was saying, this crazy long monologue at the beginning where you're having all this. It works on the stage. Movies can be visual. Like you could tell this story. Some of this stuff that you're saying in words, you could show us. And I felt like that wasn't being done as much because they're so closely married to it. And I felt like with Just Mercy it was the same thing. Like you had Michael B. Jordan, who lo- I mean, how can you not love the guy he's playing? Yeah. You know, how can you not love? And you're so closely married to that, and you want to stay to that. That that overrides this idea that you're making a movie. And it's it would have been more interesting to me, like Jim said, if they had done something experimental, like have it on stage, you know, like the set. There's not that many settings. Well, they don't they don't show us what Pittsburgh is. They could have almost have done this on a stage like setting. And to me, I would have been I think that would have absorbed me into that world, because I do think one of the problems is this when you're in a theater, that is a wholly unique experience that you are willing, like part of you is willing to accept things and experience things in different ways than if you're sitting at home and watching yeah, because it. You're, maybe you're, if you were watching it in the theater, maybe you're more closely aligned to that. But I, I, it felt cold to me. You've, this movie. In a theater experience, you're seeing something that only the other, however many people that bought tickets that night are seeing, right? Like tomorrow it's going to be different. And the day before, it was slightly different, right? I would like to know... One of the things I, I want to ask Megan is about the the title, Fences, and the mm. themes of like all the fences and gates that are mentioned throughout this movie. Yeah. Is there... Have you seen the show? I haven't seen the show. I've seen clips of it okay. um, with both James Earl Jones. and Which, by the way, if you go to YouTube and you compare James Earl Jones, his Troy against Denzel Washington's. They're both excellent, but very, very different Yeah. Um, in, in terms of how they perform. But so, I've seen clips, but not, not a, I haven't seen it live. Yeah, like, I was just wondering, like, they don't do a very good job in in the visual medium of showing you the fence. Yeah, so, like, so things- I was very confused about did when the fence got built, when it was, like, ha- like even after he's working on it, you sort of don't understand he like my 
initial like expectation was that he was going to fence in the entire yard and yeah. then like that never happens so our question was in the script in, in in the play you know is there stage direction after Raynell is born um you know particularly yeah there you go <laughs> particularly in those you know the clips where you see him kind of like out in the cold you know building the fence well Rose is inside watching him and you see the distance between them. You know, do we get the information that he ever finishes the fence? Like, is it is it ever finished before he dies or is it forever a work in progress? I am checking the stage directions. I'm inclined to think that it is built, but I actually you've flummoxed me no no worries uh, no worries it's just I, interesting i mean they it's, don't it's, show it yeah. in the movie no, no they show it they do show the, the end, end you yeah, see it by the tree but you but only see done, a portion but it's, but it's, you, a yeah, it's not in the back it's alley definitely, it's ongoing because yeah. they both you know he puts off the work see, and procrastinates and this and and, and yeah. it sort of just like cement it with me one of the things that i struggle with and i would love to hear megan's perspective of like when you teach this like sort of what is the big culmination of like the theme and things that that the students are taking away from it at the end because i to me it is very gray on like how it portrays troy in the end um and that's specifically yeah. from dialogue but i would have loved to have seen is it Corey and lions like deciding to finish the fence or something like what <laughs> I mean, you get the whole like the gate opens when Gabe plays the trumpet. You see that the right. gate. Um, I don't know if you noticed, Brian, but the gate is like opening. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you do get the one cinematic moment, which is they look to the sky and see an angel in the clouds, yes. which is an awful. That was terrible for to like use that as like. As the moment you that's can do, that's gonna be the one moment. You that's the one thing you something. decide to do that that, and you can do in film that is going to be tough in the oh, theater. Well, and we we wanted to check that too. Like, what what? How is that described at the end of the script? Yeah, so, right. Like, what's anyway. what's the final image that you're left? Yeah, because I, I, me and Katie stayed up late like chatting about this last night. Yeah. So at yeah, the very ahead. end. Um, so you're talking about the scene where he blows the horn, Gabriel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He blows the horn. And then, the, so this part isn't as evident. This is where our stage direction is actually kind of important. And I'll like read to you what it says, but it says, Gabriel with great fanfare braces himself to blow. The trumpet is without a mouthpiece. He puts the end of it into his mouth and blows with great force. Like a man who has been waiting some 20 odd years for his single moment. No sound comes out of the trumpet. He braces himself and blows again with the same result. A third time he blows. There is a weight of impossible description that falls away and leaves him bare and exposed to a frightful realization. It is a trauma that a sane and normal mind would be unable to withstand. He begins to dance. So this part's interesting because it's not as, as yeah. obvious. Mm -hmm. A slow, strange dance, eerie and life-giving. A dance of atavistic signature and ritual. Lions attempts to embrace him. Gabriel pushes Lions away. He begins to howl in what is an attempt at song, or perhaps a song turning back in its, into itself in an attempt at speech. 
He finishes his dance and the gates of heaven stand open as wide as God's closet. That's uh, that's the way that go black out. So there's much more of an emphasis on Gabriel's dancing at the end. Um, I think it's always interesting that it's described as atavistic, uh, yeah. almost something primitive. So, um, yeah. And but he, then, but then, how do they show that on stage? Like, I would love, I yeah. would love to see what that. But also, he doesn't. Is. He never makes a sound with the trumpet in that right. in what you just read, and in the movie, right. he does. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and and the score like fades in to fill it more. But yeah, it's very that's very interesting because that's very much more like to me, that's like almost as full of shit as Troy is for the rest of the the rest of the movie. And that makes way more sense to me. A little bit. Yeah, right? like, I mean there's all this Gabe different like, the, like Gabe is your purest character. Right, but right? even he couldn't he couldn't make the noise and, and then it goes black and he says that or right before it goes black, he says that's how that goes. In the movie, there is a sound. The gates of heaven do open, mm-hmm. and yeah. like I don't know. It, to me, the, I would love. Yeah, we'll have to see if we can find that's, that. I mean, so I don't think that that really drastically changes the way you interpret the ending of no. that story because he wills it into being right. like whether it does, it's with it his dance or to me with though his... the choice based upon the rest of the movie feels slightly odd to me it just the way they shot it i think it's just maybe it's that it was so so much of this is on them and it just seems like it, it turns no, I, into almost I like agree. a hallmark I th- channel absolutely i thought the point, last the is, last scene was too much <laughs> right like you you could have conveyed again what the what the playwright wants to convey without it being so heavy-handed at the end and people have really struggled with the end of this play and that particular scene the kids generally don't know what to make of it even like people that i work with have different competing opinions about what his dancing means and there's different criticism out there about how he's adopted this Gabriel uh, persona that's very Christian and something that's been conferred onto him by, you know, white Christians. If you sort of bring the, the, you know, historical Um, context in and then the dance being described as atavistic is returning to like pre-Christian roots. If you bring like, you know, the um, sort of idea of African culture into it and, this is him really getting back to roots and pure, but it's, uh, it's very nebulous. Yeah. What draws you guys to do this? Like what, why, like is fences something you guys do as a piece of literature? I'm, I'm just like interesting, like from a thematic yeah. point of view, what, what, like what's a driving factor behind fences? So I think there's a couple things. First and foremost, it is, um, it is a play of a black American experience by a black American author. So getting different stories and storytellers into the curriculum and sharing sort of diverse experiences of, of what it means to be an American, because it's in an American literature course, um, is sort of number one on the docket. I would say another reason is it's a sort of a it's a great companion piece to death of a salesman if you've <laughs> yep. ever seen that play. i did think that That's actually that was interesting yeah. i didn't even think about that but absolutely it is definitely a companion piece a lot of similarities but now you've got the racial lens involved and it's an it's an excellent example of miller's 
um, definition of the, the modern tragic hero, somebody who believes that they have a rightful place in the world, a vision for themselves and a dignity that they are after to achieve. But they're so locked into that vision that they alienate everyone else around them. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's those hard to watch this yeah. and not think of death of a salesman. You know, like it, yeah. it feels very much in relationship to um, I, th- this play does not surprise me as being a Pulitzer Prize winning play. Like I, and, and again, I think that that's why I forgave a lot of the cinematic choices was, Right. That, that this was my first experience with the play. Um, I think I was so focused on the the words, the writing, you know, of August mm. Wilson mm. that I and, and the performances. I mean, you know, seeing Denzel and Viola Davis in those roles. I mean, I, I think, I, yeah, Viola and what's his name and Corey were amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think Denzel is tough for me because. It's hard to forget he's fucking he's Denzel. Denzel. Like that, he doesn't. He <laughs> yeah. is an incredible actor, and yep. he's he is so bigger yeah. than life. But when we talk about movie stars, like he's a fucking movie star, and there's yeah. he does not disappear into this role. It's funny. I was I was really thinking about William H Macy and Shameless yes. while I was watching this because yes. I think of both of them as very like very classical actors like they can really harness that like very like proper um i don't know powerful actor you know um and then you watch william h macy in shameless and you forget all of that right like you fargo you forget everything else that william h macy has done and he is frank right like he's frank he's frank gallagher and you forget who else he is I couldn't shake that this was Denzel. Right. Like, it just, well, it, like especially yeah, in the I, beginning I few scenes. Like it, but on stage truck, I was like, it's Denzel. But on Denzel stage Denzel is on a trash truck. But but I can I see I can see how on stage it would feel different. It would you feel very away. different. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's a big, he's a big star and it's a big character with yeah. a lot of bravado. It's a very bombastic performance. Yeah. But well, you're right, also, that perspective of the stage totally shifts it, right? Because you're not yeah. like right when you're up in his face. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, you know, the lighting yeah, and the that, make, like, right? Like, I, it's just different when yeah. you're when you're back in the, in the audience, right? Yeah. And just seeing everybody up on the stage. It is, it is an incredible, like, the dialogue. is amazing. It's amazing. It, it's Aaron Sorkin-worthy. Of like course. dialogue here. And like, you know what? When I was that that's great that you bring it up because when I was watching it, I did wonder if you put so let's think Aaron Sorkin Few Good Men, which was also a stage play. Yeah. Very heavy dialogue piece, much like this. But you got Rob Reiner, who was a very skilled director. And I love Jim, your your point of like, if you gave this material to Spike Lee, what happens to it? What happens to it? Because I do think what Rob Reiner was able to do with Sorkin's work or other directors, good directors with Sorkin work, David Fincher, when we did the social network is they figure out ways to incorporate motion 
yes. and visual aspects that allow that dialogue not to stand out as the only thing that is happening in that sequence. And that's part of the problem with this. You, you become so fixated on the performances, which are fantastic, but everything else is secondary. There's almost like it is staged. There's no depth. You're not using all the things you could use in the medium yeah. to enhance this. I like want Fincher it, or Rob Reiner did with Sorkin's work. Right. You want someone yeah. who's in love with film to make this. You want not Ryan someone, Coogler to and, make this. What right. about Ryan Coogler? 100%. Not someone who's obsessed with the, the show fences, which is completely fine. Like, I completely get it. But the moment you you decide to make a film, like make the film. Well, and like, so and here's where I would disagree. I I disagree with the stance that this should never have been a movie. Me too. Me I too. disagree with that. Yeah. I am glad that this is a movie because yeah. so many people will now have get access. to see one hundred percent. I want to see the show seen. now. Like absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. I want to read like more of August Wilson. Right. Yeah. Them doing the show i yeah. guess that's my only critique so, but the hard that, piece with that brian is that you don't draw as big of an audience yeah. as I, soon I as it that. right I, like as I soon understand. as it, the, hamilton's different because the buzz over hamilton is unlike any other stage production that has ever been right, right? and so except like cats except for cats it's the longest running show and folks were gonna Broadway. see that no matter what you know there there was a hunger yeah. for it Yes, Nobody had fair. heard of fences, right? Like people outside of the theater community or who weren't following the Pulitzers, like people didn't know fences. And so they went to see it because it's Denzel and Viola Davis in a movie. Yeah. Not because, oh, the play from Broadway has been filmed, right? And to be fair, it's not what I don't want to I don't want to stress this. I don't think Denzel did a bad job directing it. I just think it's kind of pedestrian and i don't mean that to be insulting it's just like on the film side on the on the on cinematic the side, side yes not on not on, his on the directions on the direction it's, it's almost like what we talked about it's the opposite of last week last week on the cinematic side like visuals like all the technical pieces of filmmaking george miller did it and when it came to the dialogue and something he didn't there right. was a shortcoming there. This week is like the opposite. Like the the performances, the delivery, all of that's amazing. It just needed, I think, s someone else to be able to. It felt like a stage directed. Yeah. Film. Well, and I think you know, I think what you're saying is true, and and it depends on how you look at it because I think the fact that August Wilson was involved with the screenwriting of the film and that Denzel went from you know, being Troy on Broadway to acting in the film and directing the film, obviously their perspective is going to be keep it as close to the stage production as possible while making it into a cinematic experience. And so I think, yeah, you can argue like whether that's for the best or not, because in one regard, it is just shifted off of the stage right where it's like it they but is they it mo i think we so. haven't think, seen it i think they mostly so like, try to keep it as as no, it no, was written I, and i know megan has already said that like the dialogue and everything is pretty much exactly the same but when you shift it off the stage like i would love to see this because i do have questions about things like that were just not shown well and whether they would have shown them on the stage. I I think the experience 
for the viewer would be that we would see it on the stage and say, wow, that's so much better on stage. Right. That's so much better on stage. And that's but, why you don't do... But we wouldn't know to go see it on stage except for that we've seen the movie. Right, but I've also, <laughs> I've sort of made the decision to like judge this as a movie. Yeah, right? I hear you. And as far as like performances, dialogue, the script, they were all incredible. Like, honestly, there are moments of this that felt very much like the wire to me in certain in certain regards because because they do have like this rapport with each other that is sort specifically with troy and bono that reminded me of like oh these two have been partners right or 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 jimmy and and bunk like it just felt like they were their relationship was sort of lived in but also sort of like, and and this is totally purposeful and, and is very present in the text, like there's like a fakeness to their relationship yeah. that is very interesting to me. And so like, I would ask Megan, like, you know, we're, we've been talking about this for, for a while now. What are the things about the text specifically that you like to teach that we haven't like brought up? Like what are the, what are like the, the key points and, and moments that we haven't talked about? I definitely, definitely teach um, Rose's uh, speech to Troy and looking at her role, um, Uh what she's had to sacrifice and and her, you know, how her gender informs, um, you know, intersects with her race and and um, and how that's represented within the play. So we spent some time talking about her character, um, the uh, the Bono and. and Troy dynamic and, and looking at how that evolves throughout the course of the play um, is something that we talk about. We talk about the generational disconnect between fathers and sons and looking at the fact that, um, you know, talking about Troy and his relationship with his father, which he talks about in one of his speeches and then his relationship with his two kids and looking at that in conjunction with like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that on the one hand, Troy is an improvement from his father. Um, and yet still such a disappointment to his kids in many ways. Um, so this generational, uh, trauma that's been sort of, you know, conferred upon the sons and the family. Yeah. We talked, so, we talked about the, um, the interest of who, who he is to his children and and yeah. that that develops over 30 some years right and so like who he was to lions versus Corey versus raynell and how yeah. they're all going to remember him because they're differently. all like snapshots right because they all got this point in troy's life that yeah. was so wildly different you know and so it's interesting for jim and i because we we have the experience of like having parents who've had kids over a long period of time <laughs> and yeah, so we, we see this I, well i mean your your family kidding. yeah like i mean even your family has like has a gap you know i i very much connected with the raynell character you know in meeting her brother Corey for the first time because my brother kurt was in the military um you know right after i was born and so that idea of like wow like you know i was three years old meeting this like adult sibling you know and we both have this story of who our parent is and it's wildly different because there's 20 years between right like 
20 years yep. of growth in a human is it's a whole generation, right? Um, yeah, I so have I that in my family too. So yeah, I, exactly I think that that's fascinating about. in this story, uh, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important that the last child is a girl mm-hmm. that, you know, Raynell is female. Um, and she's going to be raised by, to- by Rose. I'm sorry, I missed what you said. And she's going to be raised, raised, by, raised Rose, by Rose, not yeah, ex- Troy. Exactly. Right. Well, um, and so when we she, talked about the end of this yeah. play, the end of this play, and that's I I agree, it, they did a disservice with the the cheesy Hallmark movie version at the ending. Yes, the end of this play is remarkable in that you realize this larger than life protagonist. Right. Like the whole message at the end is like now that he's done taking up space in their lives, look at what's going to grow. Right. Like they are all going to be better, closer, stronger humans in his absence than they were with him. One thing I said to Katie is like you don't get any real any real human moment in this film where we're like two people are reacting on a level that is both vulnerable until Troy's gone until until Troy's gone and you have Corey and Lyons and Lyons like says like, how are you? How are you? Are you okay? Like that moment felt so like breaking the glass for me of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, the rest of the movie just kind of like fell in place behind it. And it was like, that was all bullshit. This is a real yeah, moment that, between when two it was people. like yeah. a tender, like a physically tender so like, moment, right? And so, like Troy's almost like the antagonist of this movie, and we follow him. And then, like when he's finally gone, you have all these survivors kind of trying to process like what what they take away from his involvement in their life. Yes, I I agree with you that that's the point. Katie brought this up last night. I just, I wish there was like, for me, the whole, the whole lead up to that moment, we don't, at least in the movie, I didn't feel like we got a moment where we thought Troy, we didn't, I didn't see anything Troy did for anybody else in this film that was good other than provide money that, or, and and a play it will and let's just say money because he he gives he ends up giving lines the money but not in a, in a roundabout way through Rose, but like he talks about like putting food on the table. We find out that he's not the reason there's a roof over their heads. So like we I I just wanted something to balance the scale of Troy and make him feel like. There, even even if the rest of the characters don't see something good in him, and they end up doing seeing that, which is crazy to me. Let the audience at least see something redeeming about Troy, because I did not feel it. So I do think there's moments. Yeah, I do too. When? No, let's talk about that. This is my question to Megan from teaching it, because I'm interested if it's some of the performance choices that Denzel makes as opposed to the text of the play, because to me, this is where the James Earl Jones in the role versus the Denzel might change things. Denzel is amazing, 
but he never necessarily plays characters. That I kept have... thinking of Training Day. Well, that's what I mean. Yes. There's there, it. There's not that element where, and I this like oddly popped into my head when when I was watching this because I was like, I know I'm supposed to be feeling sympathy here for him, but Denzel the movie star rarely plays a character where you have to feel this level of sympathy for where you have this where he has like a vulnerability in that type of way and and i know i should feel that but that's where denzel and i i thought back all the way back to when we did groundhog day oddly and tom hanks was one of the people who was going to be cast instead of bill murray but he's like i can't be that dick bill murray can be a dick and he can be lovable like and that's what i was kind of thinking like you needed a character where the sympathy was almost I felt it because I knew who that person was, because there's not a lot of sympathetic moments in the way Denzel portrays it. And, and I kept finding myself feeling like I, I just don't like Denzel and his performance is great. But I don't know at the end piece if these people should feel like, oh, man, he's taught me so much, you know, like that that moment at the end. He's out of our life now because what we're seeing a lot of times is the bad sides of him. Yeah. So I almost need that sense of like a James Earl Jones. I feel like I could feel that. Like yeah. if it was, if I'm seeing James Earl Jones, it's James Earl Jones, the voice. I can imagine all of it. He's There's that Vader. level of sympathy. Greatest for father in the galaxy. All right. Yeah. Maybe Campbell. <laughs> So how do kids feel, Megan, when they read this? I mean, is is it different? Uh, <laughs> is it different how you teach the interpretation of them? Is this Denzel's reading of this character or is yeah, it the I mean, character the, the on kids, the page? The kids have a tough time, especially with the, the speech that Troy gives about like, I don't have to like you. That wasn't part of the bargain. Um, they struggle with that. But I think it's important to always look for the context and yes an awful lot of troy how he treats the people in his life can be pretty despicable but when you walk it back and you look at how he grew up the fact that he was abused mercilessly by his father the fact that he was basically out on his own at 14 years old the fact that his father is probably his life, if not touched directly by slavery, you know, like there's generational trauma from, from, um, yeah. you know, that period too, from being in the South, um, that I think you have to appreciate the fact that this is a guy who has survived, who can put one foot in front of the other and persist. And I do think that is something he passes on to his kids. Um, does it excuse the awful way that he he treats his family at times no but i think it makes it understandable yeah. if that makes sense yeah. yeah and i and i think there are two scenes where where you do see the vulnerability and i agree brian it's i think there is a little bit of denzel that that maybe prevents you from getting that you full empathetic feeling because he's he, his charisma and everything you're like yeah. i can't feel sorry for no, this guy 100 percent. he's the fucking but, king. so that's where you have to <laughs> yeah. like you have to think about yeah. what he's saying right yeah. yeah and so when he admits when he tells rose in that conversation where he talks about what happened with gabe and how he yes. ended up with it right and that he has worked so i you know i feel like you also compare this to a raisin in the sun by lorraine hansberry mm -hmm where we also have, you know, a strong African-American male trying to advance his family, 
and he like fucks it all up, right? Like throws the money away, right? In comparison, this guy has just been working his tail off his whole yeah. life and there's nothing to suggest otherwise, yeah. right? He has been doing the right thing in regards to being with his his wife and son, working his job every day, bringing the paycheck home and his frustration that in doing that, he could not get a roof over their heads, right? Like that moment, yeah. that's the vulnerability, right? And I of think like, also just how to piggyback you- on what you're saying, you know, he is a guy that has been, you know, constrained by so many factors and has you know, a gifted baseball player, but was too old. He missed his opportunity. But that's not what he thinks. Well, yeah, because I I think his other gift, though, is being a storyteller. You know, if you listen to the way that he speaks with Bono, he holds court in his house. And, you know, what is more validating to being a human than having your story listened to and recognized? And he doesn't have that even in his own family per se again doesn't excuse how he treats them but um the opportunities were not present and the fact that he is working um and trying to do the right thing and it's still not enough but yet one of his one of the tragedies of his character i think also is that he doesn't recognize that times are changing um and this really informs his relationship with his kids that I mean, certainly we're still, it's the 50s, so we're still quite a few years away from the civil rights movement of the 60s. But things are changing. Yes, slowly. they're moving. At that point, they're right. moving in a direction. Right, and it's, it's different than, than you know the period that he grew up in. But he doesn't want to admit that because to admit that would be to, I think, look at just how little agency he actually does possess. I will say this. I thought Viola Davis, who won the Oscar is the one who I think transitioned her role the best from 100% like that her scenes to me felt less stagey. Yeah. And I don't know if that's it it was Uh, to me, she's the most intriguing character in the movie. And I don't know that's how it's meant in the play, but every time she, when she has her monologue with him about what she had given to me, quintessentially and it's probably not the whole point but like to me that's the most interesting point of this whole movie the Mm father-son dynamic all that type of that like what she says there to me is oscar i mean it's amazing it's amazing and and also in just the writing of that character right that your eye is drawn to him through the entire play and what you realize in the end is that it's going to be her influence that really tells the tale of who this this family is right they are who they are because of her not because of troy yeah you could argue they're who they are in spite of him in some ways absolutely I mean, it really, uh, listen, it really is a good movie. I mean, it's Oscar nominated. There's the performances are Oscar worthy. Yes. It, it did make me, like everybody said here, kind of have the desire to see the stage play, though, because I feel like it would be ramped up tenfold, like to be able to have seen those performances on the stage as opposed to on cinema. And I just, I think it's one of those movies that you, you. See- stop and you and you 
you think about it, right? Like, yeah. like you, it's not one of the, it's not a film where you're like, wow, that was fun. That like, that was fun. And I'm glad I watched that. This sits with you, right? Where, where you're thinking about these characters and what does it all mean? Like what, what is the relationship between them? Where's it going to go from here? And that's really good storytelling. Well, you can certainly watch this as a movie where you watch scenes out of context yeah. and just pull it out and look at it and talk about yeah. what is the dialogue? What does this say about people? And there's not every movie that does that. So it's impressive in that. Uh, again, Oscar nominated all those wonderful things. You should so watch definitely this. worth watching. You should watch no, it's this. definitely worth yeah. watching without I, it, question. You're not going to be able to see it performed on stage no. anytime in the next year. So you may yes. as well watch it. I didn't appreciate Troy's bashing of... Jackie Robinson. Yeah, no, Jackie is a good guy. <laughs> I mean, well, but I thought that showed he was how deluded, delusional he was. And, oh, absolutely yeah. bitter. But, but yeah. like, and that's the thing. Like, if you do watch the the Jackie, what is it? Forty one. Forty two. Forty two. The the idea of like Jackie Robinson's baseball skill was like. Tenth on the list that made him a great human. No, right. it's what he had to get. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. once you even yeah. baseball, his baseball skill is not what got him through that situation. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, make sure you watch that. Watch this and movie. by the way, yeah, watch the movie. One of his uh, other plays, uh, I can't. Ma, Ma Rainey's Blue Bottom or Bottom. I, I have to check. Is one of the movies that's coming out on Netflix this month, and it's uh, Chadwick Boseman's final performance. Oh no way! And it's one of the in the run. It's supposed to be in the running for one of the Oscars. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, Black it's bottom, supposed yeah. to be really good. So uh, if you love, watch Fences and then watch that. All right, awesome. time for game of the week. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Game of the week. This week we're playing keep two, cut two, and I picked uh, four former co-stars of Denzel Washington. Which actors' films would you want to keep? Which actors' films would you want to cut? All right, so he's oh, been in films with, yeah, not the film they're in with him because that would be kind of easy because some of these movies are not very good. Um, but here are the films uh, stars. How about? Gene Hackman. Of course, he was in uh, the amazing submarine film. Who knows the answer? Hoosiers. Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Yes, Hoosiers. Not a submarine sandwich. Submarine film. Playing basketball on a submarine made it so difficult. Uh, Meryl Streep. He was in Manchurian Candidate, the update. Watch the original. Oh, I forgot about that one. Don't watch the uh, Denzel version. Uh, Tom Hanks, of course, Philadelphia. And then, of course, he was in Julia Roberts, uh, The Pelican Brief. All right. So Mm -hmm. which of these four actors would you keep? You get to keep two. You have to cut two. Gene Hackman, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts. Katie, go. Oh, no. Megan gets to go first, and then I will go second. Okay. (laughs) All right, definitely first off is Julia Roberts. Goodbye. Um, the, the other three are tough, but I think I'd have to send Gene Hackman packing. Ooh. All right. Yeah, keeping Tom, keeping Meryl. Have you watched My Best Friend's Wedding recently, Megan? Uh, <laughs> oh, we lost I knew that audio. was going to be a shit show. <laughs> I think she only lost her audio for a second. Yeah. It might be for the best. It's apparently, it's not a, it's not a rewatchable yeah. oh, film. Oh, it not is in not. 2020. It hasn't aged well. No. My best friend's um, wedding. Me too. 
So I agree. I like I love all four of these folks, but Meryl and Tom are my forever friends. They they have yeah. to stay. Okay. Yeah, when you said when you said keep the movies of them, meaning like if I, the way I took this originally was just like which two of these do you like better than the other two? Okay. Is a different question than like I never get to watch the movies of these two people again. Ooh, okay. And so, like, if I was sure. going to only take two people and only have their movies going forward, it's definitely Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's not even a question. Yeah. Okay. Um, the only thing I will say is that, like, Gene Hackman, Tom Hanks becomes a more interesting question as far as, like, you know, capability and, and like, not, uh, not not even that, but like Gene Hackman has some really incredible roles. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. but I will say most Stephen Hawking. Okay, yeah. I will take Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. All right. I've from Mississippi Burning, Superman, Hoosiers. I've never seen that. I've never seen. Mississippi. Uh, you've never seen Mississippi Burning. No, put it on, on the list. On, on prime. I have. Uh, go get wine. Uh, you haven't. Well, Megan, come on, can come on to watch Mississippi Burning yeah, with us next year. There we go. All right, we'll make a note of that. <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, Hoosiers, <laughs> French Connection. Yeah. I mean, so I, I have to. Uh, the conversation. The, the conversation was great. Hoosiers. So, Hoosiers is an all-time movie. It's it's people people what people don't realize about Hoosiers is people always think it's a sports movie it's not. and solely put it into the category of a sports movie a and I feel movie. like that diminishes yeah. kind of what it is and then I'll pick Meryl Streep I love Tom Hanks but I I don't think any list you can you you can almost never knock Meryl Streep off any list one one of her movies that I that I want to rewatch that I absolutely loved the first time I saw it and I haven't seen it since. Is adaptation. Oh, I love the scene where she is high and she's on the phone with her with the guy, and they're trying to figure out the two notes that they need to hum to each other to make the dial tone. (laughs) Yes, adore that woman. Yeah, I know you adore her. We're having a conversation, so you should put your headphones back on. (laughs) So you actually know what's going on here. Uh, All right, it's time for more wine has been poured. Here we go. Five questions done. Because you want answers. What the truth? Makes a man, oh, Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? Why? <laughs> all right, here First we go. question: Five Can you name all questions. the movies that those those questions came from in in the bed? Ooh, yeah. Do you know? Do you know any of the movies in the bed? The soundtrack bed. I, so it was only when you first started talking about this that I learned that that's called a bed. <laughs> Like that. These are the com because you're not a fucking comedy. I was not. That was you're not one English of the terms major. I learned in my major. I did not learn. You did not learn those. I didn't All learn right, about for, the bed. Time for five questions with Megan. First question: thumbs up or thumbs down? There was a lot of gin consumed in this film. Oh, yeah. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on gin? Uh, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You know who used to drink a lot of gin? Jim DeSanto. You I in do so like phase. gin. Uh, you were in a huge gin phase. Can I there. tell you an a, a delicious gin drink that Jim's that's a lot of j- Jim's sister introduced me to? It's a gin and jam. It's a little bit of jam, strawberry, whatever you got, whatever you've got in the fridge. Yeah. You mash that up, little gin, and then some sort of a sparkling 
she was using an elderflower uh, soda oh, that from does Trader Joe's. Yeah, it's yeah delicious. Put a little right. sprig of something in there, a little a green sprig. something. And if oh, you, put a sprig. if you are ever in London, get a gin and tonic. Oh, Jim, we Americans can't go are not anywhere allowed in right other now. Stop it! <laughs> Everybody's got jam, had, jam and soda and gin. That's what we can do. A hundred, That's about a hundred. all we can get right now, and that might be limited soon. You might not even be able to pull that off. We could still get bourbon. Do we, it we, while we you can. We make the bourbon. Oh, that is fair. We do make We'll make the bathtub gin if we have there to. There is always Bring beer it back in to Maine. the 1920s. As I show on this show each week, every week I tell you another place in Maine to get beer. Now, so you can go now to Maine. Maine is off limits, Brian. We're not allowed well, to go Maine anywhere. Maine is off limits They're for Canada. me. I can't actually can't go, go there anywhere. All right, here we go. Uh, question two. Would you rather, Megan, watch a movie or watch a play? <laughs> so I was thinking about this one. I love plays. I love the whole experience of going to the theater, but I sometimes get sleepy. When I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Sometimes yeah. I get sleepy when I'm in the theater and I'm embarrassed to admit that no, as an that's English fair. That's fair. So, and so I'm going to have so to go late. Movie. They run so late at night. Well, l- l- what I if we know, were to say that seats are comfortable yeah, so and, comfy. What if I we know. were to say you had to watch the movie in a, in a movie theater? Hmm. Ooh. Does that? Does uh, that? Then, then I would probably go play. Yeah. I would that's, probably. Go that was good. That's well done. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, I love it. That's well done. Dynamite dropping, Jim. Uh, all right. Fill in the blank question here, Megan. What's something that you would sell your soul to the devil for? <laughs> thinking about this one too. Um, probably at this moment, for people in this country to treat each other civilly. <laughs> Respect facts and information. Oh, I think God. that's temporarily. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would want. We will, we will, it, we, if you do get that offer, we will try to rescue your soul, but yeah. thank yeah. you. We'll go through the seven. We'll go, <laughs> yeah. we'll go through the seven rings for yeah. you. Yeah. We'll I, come and get I you. I really appreciate that. Okay, thank what's you. The, uh, Robin Williams. <laughs> what dreams may come. Yeah. We'll go there. Ooh, you had to bring yeah. that up. Now we're yes. going to be crying. Let's do it. Oh, such <laughs> a good go one. There. Such a good one. All right. Question four, our favorite question, Megan, who's your favorite playwright? I love drama, but I think I got to go traditional here and say Shakespeare, mm-hmm. because I think he's the father of of a lot of the, the, the plays that we enjoy today. Mm-hmm. So keeping it standard here. It favorite Shakespeare. What's your favorite Shakespeare? Ooh. Ooh. Um, I think I go I have moods for Shakespeare right now. I'm um, I enjoy a fellow because I think it's very topical. Um, and I enjoy teaching a fellow, okay. uh, comedies. I love, um, I love much ado about nothing. I love 12th oh, so night. Good. Yeah. Love as you like it. Wonderful. All right. Finally, our deep thoughts question. What's a movie you would love to see turned into a Broadway show? Occasionally they yeah. do this. They take a movie yeah. instead of turning it from a, a show into a movie, they turn a movie into a show. So what would you like? What movie do you love that you'd love to see as a show? All right, we'll see if you guys are with me. I think Edward Scissorhands would be a really good music. That is an awesome yes. one. I'm surprised it hasn't been done yet, honestly. Yeah. I want it's going think... to be like all eight, 90s emo music. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and it, it's just so exaggerated that I think it would work really well in a theater yep. yes. as well. Yes, it's yes. correct. Of course it's the, the correct answer Sweeney was Todd. No. Oh, Emil Ardolino's oh, chances Brian. are 
I mean, it is exaggerated. It is heightened reality. It would be be good. Uh, Megan, thank you for joining us. We now know that we can watch watch Mississippi burning into no, no, no. no. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We make this deal with everybody who comes on the get as a guest. We pick the first movie. They get to pick the second. True. So yeah, Megan, she could come on a third time. That's well, true. She's gonna, that's one hundred percent true. Burning. But if, I'm, if, I'm happy to come on anytime you guys want. But if want. you would rather talk about something other than Mississippi Burning, like the Parallax, view. I love, I love, oh. I love to make, I love to ask guests to pick like their favorite movie to talk about or to get other people to watch. Which I have to bring us back because we have not held up our bargain on this one. Yeah. Uh, Tess Malone Tess. is coming back for, for taxi, taxi driver. Yes. So yes. Brian put it on the schedule. We, it's already we, there. Oh, okay, great. She's in. Yeah. So let's make it's that happen. There. Don't worry. All right. So Megan, think about what film. Yeah. What yes. film you, I will. You get to I will. I'll put you some thought in. Thank you guys for having me. No I, uh, problem. I normally yeah. cut out at a couple times. So if you were talking and I was like frozen. No, it, that, that, I know where it's It happens with Brian all the time. It was fine. Yeah. Well, I just pretend I don't that, hear what you're saying most that, of the time. And he just gets Massachusetts internet. We just have to wait. We'll, yes. get, we'll get you guys. We'll get you guys hooked, hooked up to the rest of the network sometime. Lots of sometime dead in zones 2025. in uh, Eastern Massachusetts. Yeah. So. Um, again, like, share, subscribe, review all of those wonderful things. Um, check me out on the Mitch Rap podcast. Woo-hoo! We will not be bringing Jim and certainly won't be bringing mm. Katie. Um, it's rude. She doesn't know who Vince Flynn, Kyle You're Mills, wrong. or Mitch Rap are. One of them's the author. Uh, I, I actually do know by now. So, yes, is Mitch Jim the author? Mitch, no. Mitch is the character. Oh, Mitch is the character. Vince well, is the were... original author. Yes, thank and you. Kyle so is the... So it's like Carol Keene and Nancy Drew, and then... I'm like so... Folks. Would it be wrong I... to call Kyle the Padawan? <laughs> yeah. I am so glad you guys watched that interview I did with Kyle Mills. You clearly watched it, absorbed I everything had, that we discussed. I couldn't. In it. I couldn't. It's Took still it available. It's, just be clear, it's still We're gonna available. Watch it tonight, it to We're going to watch it tonight, Brian. We're going to watch it tonight. We're going to watch it tonight. It's still available to watch. We'll make the dog um, watch it. Yes. Next week... Aaron Powers is going to rejoin us, which means Katie will probably be blacked out during the episode. Uh, and we are going to talk about the amazing Shit's Creek. I'm rewatching the whole series in preparation. Yeah. Uh, we are as well. We finished it and immediately started Brian, rewatching it. I am it. so glad that you end. I, honestly, I didn't know what to do if you ended up not liking it. I was like, I was so torn on what happens if this is not a pleasurable experience for Brian Costello, we might not be able to be friends anymore. No. Well, I just started Shit's Creek. That, that would be the breaking point. Oh, and you, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, well, you can watch oh. it and then join us next week. Oh my gosh. Uh, and tell us what you think. Oh, love every minute of it. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's oh, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I like it so far. Are so. you in se- you're just season better. one? Are you in season I, I one? I like am one, literally like one episode. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you don't even know. I right know, I know what's right coming. in the beginning. I literally just watched it the other day when I was homesick. Yes. Now so. you have to binge. Yes, yes, you got to yes. binge. Go watch uh, episode two right now. Right now. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you again. <laughs>